So the topics are generally the same, you know, this is don't forget a sermon. So he's not going to, you know, deal with every topic known to mankind. He's going to deal with the heart of the kingdom of God. And that's what the sermon's all about. And so in keeping with that, he's really showing us character. And the character of those who are, we'll say, citizens of the kingdom of God is a character of heart of love. And we've already seen that, and we're going to continue to develop that. That's why we're calling this part three of everyday life in real society. How do we live life as people who are citizens, not of this earth and this world, but of the kingdom of God? Uh, and so, of course, that, as we learn, we need to put on the character of God, the heart of God, which is love, agape, self-sacrificial love. And it's heart, but it's also a spiritual thing, and we need to rely on the spirit of God. So we are going to do a bit in review. Again, we're talking about uh, Daikosune which is just righteousness or justice or goodness. How do I become a good person? I think even non-Christian people ask this question. In fact, I would reckon and say every single person at some point has to ask, what's good? What's right? How do I know what, um, that I'm doing all right here? How do I know what I'm doing is good as opposed to you know, those who frustrate me? We'll say those who do bad or evil. And we're going to come across. How do we handle? How do we deal with people who are bad or evil, who come after us and try to take us down or harm us or hurt us? And that's the issue. Daikusuni, how do I know what's good? And here he's saying... You know, the Pharisees, who are the legalists, you know, they're ones who, 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 who are hypocrites, if you will. You know, they, 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 they have a set of laws that do and they don't, but they don't really do it because their hearts are all over the place. They're, they're a mess. And he goes, but he, what he wants to do is he wants us to get our hearts right. He wants us to embrace love, agape. And that's the way of Christ. And that's why he says it has to surpass, because it's not just enough to have a bunch of outwards laws and regulations. You need an internal change. A spiritual change. That's why when the, when the young Pharisee came up, Nicodemus, to Jesus in John 3 and says, how do I see the kingdom of God? He says, you must be born again because it's an internal heart change. And, and Jesus knows that. He's preaching it and he's, his life is consistent of that. And so we are still talking about this daikosune. How do we, how we, how, how do we become right or good? Um, so again, in the way of review, quickly, We've dealt with anger, and anger is quite an important element, and we're going to see this come up as he's dealing with these issues. A lot of it is stem. He started with murder and anger and contempt, and he's still steaming from that. He's still continuing that, that train of thought. So anger causes many problems. It's a big part of why we watch television even, especially soap operas, because we love to see when they get angry and they fight and they throw things at each other. We like that because it's a part of our society that intrigues us. It's the drama factor, but it's also a big part of what is wrong with our society. Anger, which of course gives birth to contempt, um, and, and, and it does bring a lot of pain and suffering into our lives. We don't want that for ourselves. We, we like watching it in other people's lives, and we've got to question ourselves why we would like that. But regardless, it is, we don't want it for ourselves, and we ought not want it for others. And so that's what we're going to see as we develop the heart of Christ, how we ought to, instead of seeing our enemies suffer and fall and die, instead we would want to see them changed, into, and that's love. And so that's what we're going to learn today as we continue these themes. 
Love for those who have been burdened by anger and contempt. So that's our enemy. That's people who are up there who we see struggling. We want to pray for them. We want to minister. We want to touch them because we see that it's a problem. It's, 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 a, it's an encumbrance that smashes the soul. So we have a heart like Christ for healing of those who are weighed down with anger and contempt. A love for those who hate us. And this requires, of course, a heart free from lust, which we've talked about last time. And also a heart that's free from manipulation, which we touched on last week. And I think we would like to, to deal with this a little bit more as we move on to the next um, portion of scriptures. And so here we see in this, I didn't put the verses up, I apologize for that, is verses 33 to 37. So Matthew 33 to 37 says this. Now, you might have a different translation there. Up on the board, I put this in the, the New American Standard Bible. The only reason why is it's, it's a closer rendering of the actual Greek words. And I wanted to put some of the Greek words up there just so we can know what he's talking about when he uses various words like false vows, vows, and, and oaths. And the New American Standard sticks really close to the original language. But I'll read it in the NIV because that's what we usually do. And I'll come back and, and, and talk about those three words. So it says again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oaths, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot break, make even one hair, white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That last verse is, is, is a rebuke. It's harsh, because I know a lot of people, both young and old alike, who struggle with honesty. They feel like they have to cover things up and, and tell, spin tales. But the reality is that's not the way of the kingdom of God. It's honest and simple. Be yourself. Be real. And if somebody has a problem with it, that's not your problem. That's their problem. Let yes be yes. Let no be no. And here we have some words which clarify this. First of all, it says, you know, you shall not make false vows. This is the Old Testament law. And the word for false vows is, is epirokuo, which basically translates as lies. Just don't lie. That's what it says in the Old Testament. Don't lie. You shall not lie. Bear false testimony. False vows, however you want to say it. But in today's context, we can just say, just, just don't lie. And this is, the, bear in mind, this is the Old Testament laws. He's going to get really more into the nitty-gritty of the heart issue. Okay, was that a lie? Was that not a lie? I mean, you shouldn't even have to think about it. It should be in your heart to just be simple, direct, and honest. And that's why he says, uh, still, this is the Old Testament, you know, precepts, but you shall fulfill your vows. So not to lie, but to fulfill your vows to the Lord. And the vows, here this word is, is, is a promise with an oath. So it's like a promise with a promise attached to it, if you will. Because if you look at what an oath is, where it says, but I say to you, make no oath at all. An oath is to swear, you know, I swear, I promise, I promise. So it's like a promise on top of a promise. It's like a threat almost. It's almost like if I don't come fulfill this, if what I say is false or a lie, then you can chop my arm off or you could take my... PlayStation, or you could or sometimes even swear to their brother's grave. I don't know what that means. You could have my mom's grave or something. When you're, I don't know what that means, but we make these vows or promises. And so here he goes, you, you don't even have a right to any of these vows that are common because they don't even belong to you. Like heaven, that belongs to God. 
or earth that belongs to God or Jerusalem, guess what? Belongs to God. Even your own body belongs to God because you can't control when you live and when you die or when you turn gray in your head. You know, that's basically what he's saying. You don't have much control over yourself. Your own life is a blessing and the mercy and the grace of God. So here the bottom line is this. No lies. No promises. And no promises on top of promises. You know, and what he's trying to do, he's trying to draw attention to the drama. The more excited you are, when you're trying to convince people, the more excited, ah, oh, but you gotta believe, la, 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 la. You know, the, the intensity and the drama. and the, He's like, ah, oh, that makes him sick to the stomach. Because he sees that and goes, that's just manipulation. Just say yes. Just say no. Anything beyond this is evil. Again, we're looking at the heart. How do we deal with each other? How do we live well with each other? If we can't get this right, how do we expect to live well with each other? If we're constantly lying and manipulating to one another, how do we expect to live well with each other? Free from anger, free from contempt, free from all these things that Jesus is trying to deal with. Honest, straightforward, Gary. And so, in review of that section, I, I drew up this right here. And again, it's all about love. Remembering that love is pretty much uncomplicated. It's the drama that's complicated. Love is straightforward. It's simple. The world's way is full of anger and contempt. But love, the kingdom of heaven's way, if someone's angry with you, you make reconciliation. We've already learned that. Go and make peace with this person. If you are in the middle of an important religious activity, baptism or communion or worship or marriage or whatever, stop it. Go and make reconciliation because that religious practice is fine and dandy. It's better off for the sake of that person's soul who's being squashed by anger and contempt that you make peace with them. The world doesn't think that way. The world thinks, good for them. I'm glad that they're being squashed by their own anger and contempt. But that's not the way of the heaven. That's not the way of God. Again, the ways of the world is lust and betrayal. You know, again, the stuff that makes good soap operas. But love, the kingdom. I mean, imagine how boring a Christian soap opera would be. <laughs> what would there to be watched? Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. And that's probably why there's no such thing as Christian soap opera because it doesn't have all this exciting stuff that appeals to the flesh. But love is genuine and pure. Do not give yourself away, but keep yourself the one that God has for you. It's, it's pure, it's genuine, it's straightforward, man. Again, the way of the world is full of lies and manipulation as we just discussed. But however, the way of the kingdom of heaven is love. Again, love, love, love. What is love? Straightforward and honest. What's the point of hiding? You may not like what I have to say, but if we're living in love, and sometimes love requires trust, that if I say something to you, that, you're, that I'll have this trust that you won't judge me and condemn me, but that you will accept me lovingly. And if we disagree, we can talk about it, and that's fine. But let's be honest and open with one another. So how this kind of love responds to personal injury? You know, you harm me, you insult me, you maybe damage my property, whatever. How do we respond to this? Do we retaliate? As it's, you know, the Old Testament, you know, we call it, it's referred to as the, the lex talionis, which is, is, is a law of retaliation. You know, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, that's, that's the Old Testament law. And the, the, the whole point of that was to equalize, is to make it fair that if somebody stole something from yours, like a sheep, for instance, you could legally go to their 
flock and take one of their sheep of equal value. But it was to keep you from ripping them off. Like, I'm so mad. I'm not going to take one sheep. I'm going to take two sheep or three sheep. Or if you break somebody's arm, like it says here, you know, you're, maybe you're having some kind of fight or squabble or maybe it was an honest accident. You trip in a shopping mall, whatever, and you break your arm. Well, you, instead of going to the shopkeeper and breaking two of his arms, <laughs> you're only allowed to break one of his arms. And that was the Old Testament law, you know. <laughs> so, again, I think I'm, the reason I put that little picture up there is because I think that's kind of the mentality today. It's like, you take from me, I take from you. Right? You, you hurt me, I'm going to sue you. Not just to the point of, you know, paying for my medical bills, but time off of work, inconvenience, and, you know, my affected lifestyle. And so all these things mount to mount to mount. And that's the way of the world today. Not only am I going to take from you what you took from me, but I'm going to get you good. But the thing is, what we need to do as Christians, as people who are living with the, the, the knowledge of God's presence, is this. Our injuries are not our world. What has happened to you? How somebody's hurt you? Maybe somebody's hurt you when you were younger, and now you're still carrying that around. You've got to let that go. And how do you let that go? By seeing God. Realizing that you are not your injuries. Your world, the world, is not how somebody's harmed you or hurt you. That's, again, like anger and contempt, is a burden that God wants to free us from. But we must see God and see what he, that he's in control. He's the boss. This is his world. And those who also injure us are under God's authority as well. And that's what he's trying to say here. You know, let these things go. And when we have the heart of Christ and, and start realizing that God is truly the King of kings and Lord of lords, it makes it easy and possible, therefore, to live a life like this, where we stop saying an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but say something different. Here, I've got Luke 23, verses 33 and 32 written here. Read this together with me. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him, Jesus, there, along with the criminals. One of it on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and casting lots. Jesus practiced what he preached. We're looking at Jesus preaching his sermon. He followed what he believed he, all the way to the cross. He died for his enemies. He not only didn't retaliate, he gave to his enemies his whole entire life. That's what we read there. He breaks what he preached. Next one. So, in, in, the verses that correspond to this is found in Matthew 5, 38 to 42. So let's read those together then. It says, You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you, and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Uh, give to one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So we see here um, in this uh, four acts of non-resistance, as we'll say, as opposed to the world's retaliation. So we have the world's retaliation and you have the kingdom of God's non-resistance. And four examples here. The first one is turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. The people of God's kingdom, they remain vulnerable for the sake of winning over another person. See, we're not talking about being taken advantage of, being a doormat. We're talking about here big picture stuff, seeing God and his plan for the world. 
if I give my cheek as a person, will they see how much I love them? Will they see the love of Christ in my life? That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what Jesus did on the cross. People are affected by the cross because of the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to do for us. And that's a powerful thing. That's what he's talking about here. Not to be taken advantage of other harm. And again, we can be foolish here and say, oh, here, take my other cheek. And if that results to our own death or the harm of another person, that's not what God wants. He's talking about here, what can I do? What can I give to my enemy to show them how much I love them and how much they need the gospel and they need to know God? The second precept we see here is handing over the coat. And I put it here, give him your coat as well. Give him your coat as well. Instead of just equalizing their enemy's losses, they think of their welfare and lovingly gives them more than what is due. So wait, what, do you need my shirt? You know, what, what's the problem here? Did, you know, if I harmed you, if I hurt you, and, you and, and, and you're so bothered, you know, in fact, I've got a lot of stuff here. And God's blessed me. So here, take my shirt and take my jacket if you need it. Because you know what? God loves you, and so do I. Now bear in mind, we're talking about our enemies here. The third thing we see here, go with them the two miles. This speaks of authority. Back here in, in, in this time, a Roman soldier who would have a lot of burden, they'd carry around their kit with them, and they, would, they might be tired in their the travels. And so it was legally your responsibility to help a Roman soldier to go at least a mile, okay? You go that mile. But here Jesus is saying, but if you can go the other mile, bear in mind, if you're a heart surgeon and you're on your way to perform heart surgery, you may not be able to go the extra mile. But if you have nothing to do, except for moan and complain about society and the problems, then go the extra mile and help society's problems. <laughs> help your brother out who is trying to serve you in society. When asked to do an act of duty, uh, they will see these people, the kingdom of God, will see their contribution, not as a burden unto themselves, but as valuable, and they do what they can. Does that make sense? You know, we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about looking outside of ourselves and looking at the big picture. And again, the fourth thing we see here is to give. When asked, they simply give. In fact, they often give with no strings attached. And here we see, this is Luke's perspective on the same sermon. He says this, give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Hey, it's all right, you can have it. If it blesses you, that's cool. It takes a heart. A heart of God, heart of agape, not a heart of selfishness. You have wronged me. You have stolen from me. You have taken from me. You know what? All things, I don't, if, if, if I don't own anything, I don't own the, the sky or the earth or my, even my own hairs on my heads, then I don't own these things. So if you need it, take it. May the Lord bless you. And that's liberating, by the way. Just like being free from anger is liberating. Being free from materialism is liberating as well. Next slide. But an important thing to remember at this point, potential legalists, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be legalistic about these things. He's not talking about laws here. He's not making new laws. He's illustrating the heart of the kingdom of God. You see, that? You see the difference between this? I don't want you guys going out and saying, you must turn the other cheek or you must walk the other mile. No, no, no. He's looking at heart. He's looking at character. This is the kinds of things we would kind of expect. If we saw somebody doing these things, we'd say, that person knows God. You see the difference between laws? Because the Pharisees, they had a lot of laws. 
And we're not interested in making rules and regulations. What we want is we want to encounter God, and we want to encounter the heart of God. And so he's illustrating, he's telling us illustrations, and he's pointing to us truthfully what a kingdom of, of heaven type of citizen looks like. In a simple type, if you, want, if you want to make a law, make a law out of 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love. There's a law for you right there. If you go out and you want to know what you do, don't get out your Bible and look at all your 357 precepts on how much you must fulfill to be a kingdom, you know, responsible citizen. But instead, remember that one alone. Is this loving or not? That's the law we should live in. That's what he says. He says the greatest command is what? That you should love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And that you should love others as yourself. So really, that is the only law that we have here. Follow the way of love. So again, it's, we're talking about character. We're talking about character of the heart. And this is love for humanity, which, of course, Jesus is our great example of the love of humanity. You know, he took it, he believed, he practiced what he preached. And so here's, as we see what he did, let's talk about what he said, starting here in verses 43. You have heard that it was said to love your your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the Old Testament. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But Jesus says this, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the earth, or on, e- on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's a couple things I want to look at in this. First of all, the idea of just loving your enemies, and, the, and it's followed by these, these examples and illustrations. First of all, God sending sun and rain. In, in that climate, you know, agricultural climate, it's important to have both sun and rain. So he's not talking about good and bad things. He's talking about God's blessings. God blesses us all, and he's going to bless even the evil ones because God's good, and he wants to see people to see his goodness. So, so God blesses our enemies. He blesses his own enemies because he sends the sun and the rain to help them to feed their families, right? And he also says, but listen, you know, if we just love our own, that makes us no different than gangsters. The mafia loves their own. But you don't want to get too close to them, I imagine. You know, um, terrorists love those who agree with them. They love their own. But they like to throw acid on Christians. That's not very loving to their enemies. You know, they like to knock down buildings and you know, bomb subways and stuff like that. But if you agree with them, they love them. But what's the difference? We like God's character. We love our enemies. It's hard to do, especially when talking about things like that. It's hard to love those people, to pray for them. That's what he's told us to do, to pray for them. But he says, be perfect as your father is perfect. And by the concept of perfect, um, actually turn to the next slide. I think I have it in the next slide. No, I don't. I'll deal with the perfect in a second. But first, I want to remind you of our friend, the ogre. Angry ogre, which of course represents the ogre, the, 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 the word for anger. And the reality is that this, this to me, I think it's important to stop and look at this. Do we want to be like him? Do we want to be like the world that's full of anger and contempt and 
under the pressure. Do we want to turn into a fellow like this? And that's what Jesus is thinking, I think, when he preaches this. He's like thinking, I want to free you from the, from the oppression of anger and contempt. So what are you going to do about your enemies? What are you going to do about me? What are you going to do about them? Are you going to be just like them? Anger breeds, or like this, you know, down here, the whole idea, of, again, the last teleos, it's perfectly acceptable, according to the Old Testament law, to, to hate those who hate you, right? But the thing, problem is, a misery loves company. And anger feeds anger. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to start escalating here? I hate you even more. And then they turn around and say, no, I hate you even more. And they turn around and say, no, I hate you even more. And what you're doing is you're putting a burden on your shoulder. Isn't it much more, make much more sense to just release the anger, release it? And that's what Christ is telling us. He's telling us we need to release the anger. So I hear I put a quote from the, the atheistic philosopher um, Bertrand Russell who said, rightfully, that the Christian principle of love, your enemies, it's a good. There's nothing to be said against it except that it's too difficult for most of us to practice sincerely. Now, of course, the reason I put that he's an atheist is because he didn't know God. And so if you want to do this in your own flesh without the knowledge of God, without the living within the precepts and the worldview of God being born again, you can't do these things. You're going to end up being frustrated and anger and full of these burdens of contempt and manipulation and frustration. It's going to happen. You're going to end up turning out something like Mr. Ogre here, which he's welcoming. After all, that's exactly what I want you to do. He welcomes that. Why? Because anger feeds anger. And he's hungry. And so without Christ, it's a very impossible thing to do. But with Christ, with the idea that God sees God's in control and I belong to him, that's how it's possible to not turn out like this big scary guy here. So this is our last slide. And we got two more minutes, three more minutes. So I think we should sum it up. Okay. So again, the ways of the world. Okay, the ways of the world. Just like we saw before, we're going to look at this again, just in, just to put it, put it to put it to home. Again, we remember and review: anger, contempt, lust, betrayal, lies, manipulation, stuff that makes good soap operas, right? The way of the kingdom of God is love, simple love, genuine love, pure love, honest love. Okay, we've already seen that this on the mount, and we're just reminding ourselves. What we learned today is this. The way of the king of the world, the way of the world, which is, you know, pride of life, lust of the flesh, and, the, you know, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is re- to retaliate. The way of the, of the, of the, of the Christian or the, the person who belongs to the God, kingdom of God is non-resistance. So here we have a contrast with the way of the world. You hit me, I hit you back. The way of God says, I, you hit me, I wonder why. What's wrong? Can I help? Can I minister? Is there something going on that I don't know? It, it thinks, it's, it's, it's caring, it's charitable. The way the world, you take from me and I'm going to hold it back. The way of the kingdom of God says, you take from me, I wonder again, here, have some more. Do, do you need a blessing? Do you need help here? Is there something going on again? The way of the world in its retaliation seeks a response. And that's it, like the ogre. He wants a response. He wants you to become like him. But instead, the way of the kingdom of heaven is this. Here's a response, and it's love. Simple love, genuine love, pure love, honest love. So, again, you ask me for something, I say no. But the way of the world, or the way of the kingdom of God says this, you ask me and I say, how can I help you? How can I help? So, again, and in conclusion, what we just learned here about loving your enemies, and this all fits well together, because, again, it's a sermon. 
It's not little proverbs and parables. It's a sermon. So those, the way of the world, say, my enemies, I hate them, and I hurt them. I think negatively about them, and I plot against them. Again, what makes for good cinema and good drama. But the way of the kingdom of God, it says, my enemies are those who hate me. See the difference? To the way of the world, the enemies are those who I hate. But to the Christian, the enemies are those who hate me. So Jesus didn't hate his enemies, but his enemies hated him and hung him on a cross. So to those who hate me, I love, I pray for, and I do not obsess about them. You know, they plot, we don't obsess about them. The reason I put that is because, that was that word, um, teleos, at the end, that's the word where he says, the very end, be perfect, as my Father in heaven's perfect. And so he's not t- telling you to be perfect legalistically, because nobody can be perfect holiness like God's holy. But what he's saying here is, it's like the word we use for maturity or completeness. He says, let it go. Be done with it. Be complete. Be finished with it. That's the idea in context. So somebody harms you, somebody harms you, be done with it. Don't obsess about it. They are, are, are carrying a huge weight on their shoulder by plotting and thinking and, and, and fuming. But you just let it go. Let it go. And let God deal with it.